Welcome to Lunch with a Life Coach. I'm your host, Kaylee, and today we're having some deep connection for lunch with my dear friend and forest bathing guide, Jenny. We're talking connection to ourselves, nature, and to different pace of life rather than go, go, go. And I have to say, it's really serendipitous, but also not surprising at all that connection emerged as a major theme in our conversation, as Jenny has been connected to some really special moments in my own life. So five and a half years ago, I was on a trip with her and the most gorgeous feather came to me while we were at this river. And this trip catalyzed a huge pivot in my life. And I always stayed connected to this feather for some reason. And true story, I was on a walk five minutes before recording this episode, and I found another feather exactly like it. So for me, this was such a beautiful affirmation of my own path and bringing these conversations to you. We have so many threads of connection that we weave throughout our lives when we slow down and pay attention. And this is just one little example of that. So listen in as Jenny and I chew on the question of why nature is a beautiful antidote to our productivity-obsessed culture, how the forest can nourish us, and how connection can revitalize us. Let's dig in. Today, I am absolutely delighted to be joined by possibly one of the sweetest people I've ever met in my life, Jenny Harrow-Keeler, and I hope to make her laugh today because her laugh just nourishes my soul. Uh, But before I make my way into some really bad jokes, uh, Jenny is a certified nature therapy guide with a master's degree in integrative health studies and is passionate about leading individuals and groups on a journey of self-exploration and healing through her guided forest bathing walks. Her approach to leading forest bathing experiences is to share tools with participants to experience the benefits of mindfulness meditation through a guided nature connection experience designed to regulate the nervous system, evoke greater self-awareness, and enhance personal resilience. Her intention is to help participants open the gift of their lives through the healing power of nature. My dear Jenny, welcome to the virtual lunch table with me. Hey, oh, thank you so much. Thank you for that sweet introduction. And yeah, I'm just grateful to be here. Oh, so Great exciting to be share here. any space with you. Yeah. Mm, virtual or not, I feel like if we were in person having lunch, like where would we be if we were in person having lunch? Mm. Uh, somewhere outside somewhere fabulous I feel like we both are foodies totally (laughs) yeah I have that memory of of one of your birthdays Mm -hmm. having that sweet lunch on the Embarcadero in San Francisco um sitting outside and just Mm. chatting oh I love that and one of my favorite memories of us um, is my birthday where you led a forest bathing experience for me. And, you know, just reading your bio kind of brought me back to all of the times where I've gotten to experience forest bathing walks with you. And those are just like really dear, precious memories for me. You know, it's funny when I mentioned forest bathing walks, so many people are like, so you like took off your clothes and got naked in the forest. And where did you, what body of water did you go through? Like, what did you do? What were you, what were you bathing in? And so like, <laughs> help those people out. Like, no, no, we didn't get, uh, maybe once or twice, but like, that's not the intention <laughs> of a forest bathing walk. So can you illuminate for us? Like, what is this practice and what originally got you really excited about this practice that you lead now? Yeah, great question. So yeah, I mean, super, I get those emails and questions all the time. of People sending me notes of like, I am picturing a bathtub in the middle of the forest, like <laughs> sign me up. I'm like, that sounds great. That's not what we're doing. Um, the, the word bathing, it comes from the Japanese word Shinrin-yoku, where a lot of this form of this particular practice comes from. And so the closest English translation is to bathe in the forest atmosphere. 
So the bathing is like opening up all of your senses and engaging and, and really receiving. I like to let people know, um, like sound bathing, I feel like mm-hmm. is a really common uh, healing, you know, exercise and practice now. And so when you think of the the sound bathing, all you have to do is lie there and receive. Mm-hmm. Um, and so forest bathing is similar in that it's, uh, there's so many just natural healing benefits to being in a forest or really any sort of nature setting. Mm-hmm. Uh, and I like to let participants know that if all they were to do is, is sit with me and walk with me in the forest for a couple of hours, I like to share some of the very tangible physiological and psychological healing benefits that have come from a multitude of clinical research studies from Japan and South Korea and Europe and all over the globe. Now there's become a, a huge and growing movement of nature and forest therapy around the world since the early 1980s, when it kind of got its, uh, its first origin in, in Japan. And so the, the extra part about forest bathing is that we're incorporating some mindfulness tools mm-hmm. and techniques. And so it's kind of like a double, double benefit of, you know, there's these very, just like I said, the, the healing benefits of being in a forest, I'll just name one, um, something as simple as when we smell the essential oils, the chemical compounds that certain trees emit, they are called phytoncides. And when we smell them, it can help reduce our cortisol levels, our stress hormone by up to 30% in just 20 minutes of exposure. So super helpful. I remember, yeah, reading that research when I was writing my my master's thesis on the practice of forest bathing. And I was like, oh, is that why we love Christmas trees in our house so much? Mm. Like there's something about the smell that is just like bringing us back into homeostasis, back into regulation more um, and that feeling of, of home. And so mm. you combine that with uh, what I like to tell our the, the participants I'm working with you know, I'm guiding us to notice more. And so we're engaging all of our senses, noticing through the smells of nature, the sounds, the textures of the ground or the tree, the temperatures. And I'm sure you can relate to this with all of your background in uh, in somatic work and all of that and just, and just nervous system regulation is that when we go into our senses and into our, our body and experiencing the world through, uh, through this more just kind of somatic approach. I like to tell people, it's not that our thoughts completely disappear because we have tens of thousands of thoughts every day, (laughs) Um, but they start to slow down. And I like to share that, that for me, what I've noticed practicing and guiding forest bathing for the last gosh, seven plus years now. Um, and I'm noticing that in myself and I'm noticing in the people that I'm guiding is that it's one of the most simple and effective ways to get present. And I'm, and I'm noticing this in a lot of folks that I'm working with who are coming from, you know, I live in Sonoma County and I'm working with people who are coming in for vacation a lot of times. Mm -hmm. And so folks from all over the country, all over the world, all different types of, um, professional backgrounds and cultures and things like that. Like the number one thing I'm noticing is that people are just really stressed right now. Mm. And so giving them the gift of remembering, that's what I like to say a lot about forest bathing is that I'm actually not teaching anything inherently new. It's, it's helping people remember Mm. how to slow down how to be present, how to open up to things like uh, awe and wonder that can be so much more easily accessible in places like the forest. And so, and then, um, so that's a little bit of the background of of kind of what to expect, what forest bathing is. Uh, It's something that like, like other meditation practices or yoga, it's, it's something that you can absolutely practice on your own. I mm-hmm. like to let people know they've probably done it in their own way, but like meditation or, or other, you know, things like yoga, it's, I've noticed a difference when I'm with a group or with mm. a teacher, like I notice a difference between practicing yoga 
on my laptop in my you know <laughs> office by myself and like what my attention's like and how I feel in my body and how deep I can go into the practice as opposed to being in a group in person with a teacher and I can kind of just like let go and be guided and mm-hmm. and allow myself to be um more present with the practice. And so I like to share that forest bathing, a guided forest bathing experience is very similar to that. And that's a lot of the feedback Mm -hmm. I get. And then how I got into this, you know, a few, um, gosh, it's been about nine years now. I was in a big uh, scooter accident uh, that changed my life. Um, I was thrown 30 feet into a, a creek from a scooter that malfunctioned and broke lots of things in my body and was in the hospital for a while. And, um, and when I got out of the hospital and and back to, uh, California, my, my accident was in Texas. You know, one of the things that really helped me move through both the physical and emotional, and I also say kind of like spiritual Mm -hmm. trauma and like movement that came about from this accident. I, I, I had a newfound social anxiety as I was working through the trauma of, of that experience. And, um, and I was just drawn to the forest as a space to, yeah, just be, just be myself. And, um, and I'd go walking very slowly since uh, Mm -hmm. my body was still recovering. And what I noticed in the year after my accident is that the forest was the place or any sort of nature setting them, the ocean or um, other places like that. It was, it was the place where I felt the most myself and most um, clear about who I was. And, and I felt connected in a way that was unique to me of, you know, like I shared, I had, I was a very social extroverted person at the time I was managing a hospitality program for a winery and having uh, social anxiety was completely new to me. And mm-hmm. so being able to go into the forest and feel connected to the more than human world to feel connected to life in a, in a new and profound way was, um was very powerful and healing for me. And then when I, enrolled in my my master's program in integrative health studies about a year after where I met you. Um, I remember in one of our first classes, the stress management and movement class, and if that, that assignment we got of like picking a topic to give mm-hmm. a presentation on to do the research and like then present to the class. And one of the topics was ecotherapy. Mm-hmm. And I immediately was drawn to it because um, I was like, oh, I think I do that. I think that's what really helped me mm-hmm. last year. Mm-hmm. And then from there, I learned more about the fields of ecotherapy and eco-psychology and this practice of forest bathing. And it just kind of blew, blew me open. And I got super excited about all the research coming from, like I mentioned before, Japan and other places around the world and the U.S. too. The U.S. is starting mm-hmm. to, to pick up on it. Um, and I just yeah, immerse myself in, in all the, the clinical research. And, and then, um, when we graduated in 2017 from, uh, from our master's program, I enrolled in a nature and Mm -hmm. uh, forest therapy guide certification that I completed in 2017 and been doing this ever Mm -hmm. since. I love it. I know. I, I've just seen, you know, in knowing you for so many years, the thread that this has, kept for you and also all of the benefits and all of like the blossoms that it has bloomed into like this this seed of trauma this seed of isolation has blossomed into such a beautiful practice and offering that you have continued to share and also learn from and I'm curious if you're seeing this thread also that you were inspired to really pursue this forest bathing and ecotherapy from a place of isolation. Like that's where you've really found your grounding in in that presence and deep reconnection to self. How is that? Like what, how are you seeing that through all the people that are being attracted to this practice now, especially after so much isolation and 
newfound social anxiety after, you know, years of, you know, after the pandemic and everything. I know I've experienced like social anxiety as, you know, a, you know, a pr proclaimed extrovert. I have definitely felt that social anxiety and it's weird. It's, it's like, it's foreign. So curious, what are you, what are you seeing people craving that are coming to experience forest bathing? Yeah, that question just resonates so deeply because I think that collectively, even before the pandemic, we as a culture, not only in the U.S., but let's just say the the modern or Western, you know, worlds of of these of what how how separate we are from each other now of just mm -hmm. all living in our own kind of individual spheres of life mm -hmm. that um is not how humans have ever lived no ever no <laughs> just like this weird talking. dystopia type of environment that we're like all in our own little bubbles and it's like well my bubble will never bump into your bubble <laughs> right and it's like it's no wonder to me that we're seeing cases and rates of anxiety and depression skyrocket around the world. The statistics scare me, honestly. And I and I see that with the folks that I'm I'm guiding these forest bathing experiences with. Um, there's a yearning for connection mm -hmm. and 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 the presence piece a lot, I think is really what people are, even if they can't put it into those words, that's what I'm noticing mm. in their transfer. Like, even though I'm with them for like anywhere from two to three hours, like I'm seeing this transformation in a lot of, a lot of people because they show up a lot of times, like kind of like just holding the stress of their life, of the world, of you know, both what's in their own in on their own plate, but then just mm -hmm. what we're all collectively navigating and holding together with all the different levels and layers of crises mm -hmm. that are still continuing to unfold and unravel mm -hmm. and the impact that it's having on everyone. And there's something around just like wanting people wanting to remember a different way. Mm -hmm. and of of life of like instead of like how we're doing it right now of like I I see this a lot with with the people I'm working with and also in myself of just like joking about the the perpetual like to-do list that we all <laughs> have running in our head of just like I feel like we're a culture that is addicted to being busy so much and so much. And with that is an addiction to feeling like we are not worthy unless we're achieving or accomplishing something all the time. Mm -hmm. No matter what. <laughs> it's like, yeah. Yeah, and I see this in myself and others when I'm, you know, talking to them about like even on our days off of like this guilt that creeps in if we're not doing something productive. Mm -hmm. And so what happens. And I'm, I'm guilty of this too, of like, where I'm not giving myself true permission to really rest. Mm -hmm. I'll like, just, I'll go on my phone and be like, mm -hmm. you know, do the, the doom scrolling or whatever it is. And like, and there, and it's like, my body's being like, oh, I'm, I'm resting. And it's like, mm -hmm. no, I'm not. <laughs> we don't like even know what rest is anymore because rest has been synonymous with like dissociation right. or numbing or like, what I've been thinking about recently is like, what is like act there's active rest and then there's rest, rest, there's passive rest. And I think we've almost become phobic of passive rest. Like, but that's the true rest where our nervous systems actually get to have permission to go off because when we're in active rest, when we are scrolling, when we are bombarded and consuming goodness knows what on the internet and what, you know, happens to come up on our feeds, right? We don't have control over that. Well, you know, 
we can speak to our phones and they can give us weird predictions and algorithms. But in general, we don't really have control over what's given to us through the media, through other people, or even active rest. Like I know someone was like, oh, yes, on my two weeks off, I'm going to go do all of the things on my to-do list. <laughs> I'm like, oh, well, that that's your definition of rest now is achieving. So yeah, I'm. you shared with me that force bathing allows you to remember the sweetness that we can tap into when we slow down enough. And so like for our productivity obsessed culture, how would you describe the sweetness of slowing down and remembering as compared to this perceived sweetness of achievement that I feel like it's like the sugar that we're all addicted to? I think it's, the sweetness of remembering that we are worthy even if we're not quote unquote accomplishing or achieving something and being in that like hyper focused accomplished space. Mm -hmm. And so, you know, when I'm guiding forest bathing experiences, I, I share in the beginning, I like to share a lot of the research because Mm -hmm. it's, um, I find it's a bridge for people to kind of buy in a little bit mm-hmm. of like, what is this thing that we're doing? <laughs> we're not taking a bath. So what are we doing? <laughs> yeah, What are we doing? So I, I actually stay, I spend a little bit of time like up here, like in the like cognitive, like, all right, let's, let's talk about the research and let's, let's share what exactly is happening on, like I said earlier, at both a physiological and a psychological level, these very tangible healing benefits. Mm-hmm. Um, and that starts to, I think, appeal to the modern mind mm-hmm. a little bit of like, oh, well, okay, like maybe I am accomplishing something because the research is telling me. Mm. And so it's like, it's like kind of like, latching on to that mind a little bit mm-hmm. and that that self that's like can I give myself permission to do this because mm-hmm. like if I just started out and said all right y'all we're just gonna do nothing people, people would run away probably like, yeah, what? like no I got things to do <laughs> got things to do and it's scary I find for a lot of folks because we're used to moving so quickly that to slow down and do nothing is terrifying. I mean, that's why I think a lot of people are addicted to fill in the blank, mm-hmm. you know, whether it's our devices or work or, you know, and any list of things that we have easy access to right mm-hmm. now. To be with our thoughts, to be with with ourselves, to have nothing to do is kind of a scary void for a lot of people like they're not sure how they they're going to fill it and Mm -hmm. so what I'm very gently trying to to do with my forest bathing experiences is is set the like stage of like all right this is what's happening like and in Japan what's what's really cool you know in the early 1980s there this was a response to a crisis in which people were starting to get sick from working so much. I mean, the early 1980s, people were moving into the cities and in the masses and, you know, it's kind of the world's first tech boom in a lot mm-hmm. of ways. So people are in front of screens for the first time, um, working long hours. And, and so this link between chronic stress and illness was made mm-hmm. in the, in the country. And they even coined a new word in Japanese called Kuroshi, which loosely translates mm-hmm. to death from overworking wow so this was this was a serious thing and so the japanese government this is why they were looking for a healthcare intervention Mm -hmm. uh so they they invested millions of dollars to conduct all of these clinical trials and now in japan there this is something that when you show up to your medical doctor with signs of chronic stress or disease related to stress they'll write you a prescription They'll send you to one of over 60 nationally designated and federally funded healing forests throughout Japan. Doctors are on site to meet you, take your vitals, you know, measuring things like blood pressure and Mm -hmm. heart variability. Um, And then people are taken out into the forest with a guide. So that's what I do, Mm -hmm. which is essentially helping people remember 
how to slow down. And so, yeah, to circle back to the original question of like, and remind me what the original question Yeah, like what? Like, like, oh no, I mean, the I, what you've been saying is just, you know, deeply fascinating that like we actually have like, it's like someone writing you a script to go hug a tree. Yeah. It's like, <laughs> these are, we're coming back to root. We're coming back to source and self. And I love the fact that you pointed out that you use like this, the scientific research, like the mind, the logic to drive buy-in because that is allowing the mind to just say like, okay, all of the chatter we can quiet now because we've been like, we've been satiated, right? I had all these things. I, I was craving the the proof and now I can quiet down. Now we can get back to the real thing, which is all the rest of our brain and our body that is not logic, which is not our prefrontal cortex, which yes, I know makes us like really cool in the animal kingdom. But I think what makes us really cool in the animal kingdom is that we get to meet the logic with the rest of ourselves and blend it into this beautiful thing. So the question was for our productivity, like obsessed culture, like how would you describe the sweetness of rest and remembrance of self as compared to the sweetness of achievement? Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I think what I noticed with the folks that I'm guiding on these experiences are it's like this coming back to just self, like one theme that I hear often is that, and especially through the sense of smell Mm. is that people are remembering something from their childhood that like they've completely forgotten about, whether it was uh, a place, uh, uh, a wild, you know, piece of land that they spent time on that they that they loved and they explored, you know? And so I think what's unique about coming back into nature as a way to slow down, you know, what I've noticed a lot in myself and in others is um, it can be really hard to be moving a million miles per minute in our everyday lives and then be like, oh, I need to go uh, meditate for 20 minutes and, you know, in the other room where I'm like, I'm in my same, you know, so much, so many of us, myself included, we're working from home now. And so our Mm -hmm. whole lives are kind of in this, you know, this one space. And so it's like, all right, I'm going to do some work. And then, oh, I know meditation is really good for me. So I'm going to go do that in this other space for 15 Mm -hmm. minutes. And it's really challenging, I think, for a lot of people to, to come into presence with, with their meditation practice all on their own, you know? And I think that's why, um, you know, apps like Insight Timer, all those different things are becoming more and more just helpful tools where it's Mm -hmm. like, okay, we we have this need to be guided. How can I slow down? And what I love about nature is that, yes, that when I'm guiding an experience, I'm I'm helping facilitate and I'm guiding through different prompts. Um, But the forest, the, the natural space is what's doing it. Like I'm helping open some doors or windows maybe into the participants connection into remembering how to even just notice what's happening in the natural Mm -hmm. world. But I just, I see time and time again, that it's like the support that they feel to not just be, and I'm not guiding people into you know, noticing their breath or noticing mm-hmm. their thoughts or working with, I mean, there's so many different ways to practice mindfulness and meditation. Mm-hmm. And what I love about forest bathing is that I'm guiding people to notice through all of their senses, what is alive in the mm-hmm. forest. Mm-hmm. And I let them know there's no wrong way to do it. Mm-hmm. Just by being here, just by being outdoors is more than enough we've done it. We're forest bathing. And then we can add more by bringing our extra attention, extra awareness into noticing through all of our senses. And then that it reawakens a piece of 
us that maybe has been dormant for a while. So I like to say, you know, we're such visual for, for a lot of people who, mm-hmm. um, you know, are visually dominant in a mm-hmm. lot of ways. We're in, I mean, I'm in front of a screen a lot of my day with yeah. the other work that I do. We're on a screen right now. I think most people are in front of screens often. So we're used to kind of experiencing the world through this, like, okay, what is right in front of me? What mm-hmm. am I seeing? Uh, and we've forgotten that there are, there's these other senses that mm. can bring us into experiencing a space, a place, um, a moment, and and through tapping into the sounds and the smells, uh, all of these different senses can just bring us back into our body and back into the present moment. Mm-hmm. And and it helps to kind of like distinguish between like the thoughts just completely running the show all the time mm-hmm. of like, if we're noticing, you know, how the temperature feels on our skin and our clothes, whatever's going on in our mind can't completely take the reins and yeah. like run off with us. So yeah, it's a way to drop deeper into presence. And I know for myself, when I go on my walks, I'm one of those people that like touches the plants and has to smell like it's like a must on my walk that I must smell every lavender plant that I walk by. And my neighborhood is full of rosemary. So I'm definitely sure that my neighbors are like seeing me touch their rosemary plants and being like, "Mm, that's so delicious. (laughs) And so thanks, neighbors, if you're listening to this. (laughs) Thanks for your your good smells. But I, I remember being on one of the walks with you I think this was probably five and a half years ago when we went on our sweet little road trip together and you were guiding us through the forest. And I have like this vivid memory of when you asked us to look at what was moving around Mm -hmm. us, we filter out so much in our environment naturally, right? Like our brain scans go safe next, don't need to pay attention to that that one of the most profound things you said was what's moving. And I realized that we move at warp speed through our lives these Mm. days. Even when we're feeling lazy, I feel like we move through warp speed and stopping and noticing what was moving and alive around me was such a interesting thing because I realized there was so much movement around me that I didn't notice before. And that the subtleties of it of like the leaf shimmering in the, in the, in the sky. And I know that sounds like for someone who's like that, ah, I don't like the forest or I don't like the park. Like what could I get from looking at a shimmering leaf? That sounds so like bull woo. I think that that mimics like, what are all of the things that are, even when we're still, what is constantly moving inside of us? Yeah. So I'm curious, what would you say to someone who's like, Okay, Jenny, you told me that like, I can get my reduction in cortisol, but I really don't like the forest. (laughs) What would you tell that person in terms of how they could incorporate this really beautiful modality into their lives and, and experience that remembrance that you're talking about? Yeah, I, I mean, it's, it's common for a lot of folks. I mean, we are collectively as humans becoming more separate from the natural world, just even determined by where we're living. 2008 was the the shift in which global human populations shifted from living in more rural spaces to now living in more urban dense mm-hmm. spaces. And in the next couple of decades is projected that, you know, up to 70, 80% of human global populations will be living in dense urban environments. Mm -hmm. And so, you know, I remember working uh, with a young woman years ago who, you know, she grew up in the city and she didn't spend time in nature as a child. Mm -hmm. And it kind of scared her in a way Mm -hmm. to feel like a safe space. And so what I like to share with people is that the whole planet is alive. Mm -hmm. Nature is everywhere. It's not just in the forests and these remote spaces. You know, it's in it's in the cities, it's in the suburbs, mm-hmm. it's it's everywhere. There are trees everywhere, there are flowers and mm-hmm. plants and insects and all of that. And so I usually share, you know, when I'm guiding these experiences, 
to let people know that this is a practice that they can access anywhere. Mm -hmm. Is it ideal to spend, you know, a couple of hours in the middle of the forest? Um, Sure. Yeah, it's great. I mean, the research is showing that if we spend 20 minutes a day in a natural setting, that it can have a huge impact on our physical Mm -hmm. and mental health. Mm -hmm. But I like to let people know sometimes we don't have 20 minutes. Mm -hmm. And so oftentimes we don't have access to a forest or maybe like you said, we don't feel comfortable going Mm -hmm. to a forest. We can do this practice anywhere, even if it's just for a few minutes. And so one of the more, um, I mean, there's many ways to practice. One of the the first things that I do is this guided sensory awareness practice where I invite the participants, you know, to close their eyes or dim their eyes and then to to what we scan through all the different senses of noticing through mm-hmm. the smells, the the texture of the earth underneath us, the temperatures, the sounds, et cetera. And we could do that in a city park. Mm-hmm. We could do it on a city street. Will we hear more city sounds? Yeah, that'll be a part of it. But that's, that's the practice, you know, is we're just noticing what is alive and we're not controlling. We never Mm -hmm. can, right? That's a huge illusion that we're going to be able to control. And (laughs) even on a lot of my forest bathing experiences, we can still hear cars Mm -hmm. and other human sounds. And I guide participants just to simply notice them. The Mm -hmm. same way that we're noticing the sound of the birds or the sound of the wind blowing through the tree. Uh, It's all alive. We're we're all existing together, creating this symphony of sounds, a symphony of life. And we're just simply noticing it. That's Mm -hmm. the practice is noticing. You know, I I live in Santa Rosa, which is, um, you know, a pretty large suburb in Sonoma County. And you know, I don't get to the forest every day, but I try and go on a walk like you were mm-hmm. describing of like what you were doing, like walking around your neighborhood. I know you in Seattle of like you're in the middle of the city mm-hmm. yep. and and smelling, you know, the the herbs, the plants, the trees like that's the practice yeah. that's forest bathing. And so I would invite someone if there is that kind of concern of safety or just comfort or any mm-hmm. anything on that spectrum to just go really slow and to start small like to not maybe you know plop themselves in the middle of the forest for the first time like if they're living in a more urban space I would probably invite them to engage in the practice that you're describing mm-hmm. of walking and just start with noticing and engaging the senses mm-hmm. and start to build a relationship. You know, I mean, I think what's happened, and this is new for just humans in general and in our grand history of things, like the separation from the natural world has happened in sometimes in our own lifetimes. Like we're talking decades. Like, I mean, I'm an elder millennial and I feel like I'm one of the the last of the generations that like when we were kids, it was like go outside and play till it gets dark. Mm Mm-hmm. And that's not really happening anymore as much at least. And so um, it's, it's building a relationship and I think that's, or remembering the relationship if there ever was, you know, and, and then also knowing that all of our ancestors had a deep connection to the earth. This is something that is, um, innate innate is inherent in in all of us and so I would invite them to go slow the walking practice or even even the most simple one I think is something that I think you've done with me that um that we call sit spot and Mm -hmm. you know it's it's finding a spot in nature and just sitting there Mm -hmm. you know ideally for 20 minutes but if you don't have 20 minutes yeah try five try two you know whatever amount of time and just sitting there and observing you know, and, and ideally like being able to go back to the same spot, you know, whether it's once a week or multiple times a week or every day, if you have mm-hmm. the time and you're building a relationship with that place in nature, and it could be mm-hmm. a city park, it could be a back place in someone's backyard, you know, it could be in a more wild space too, but it's, I think that's 
to me to go from that more trauma informed lens of like, mm -hmm. just go slow. We don't have to rush it. Uh, but once we do, you know, I like to invite people into tapping into the power of awe and wonder in nature, mm -hmm. which can be more easily accessed in a natural, yeah. natural space. And so, so when we tune into that, you know, things that make us go, wow, are mm -hmm. what happens to us just on a physiologically, we mm -hmm. get flooded with all the feel good hormones. We get flooded with things like endorphins and serotonin. Mm. And even in a forest, it's been measured that there are increased levels of oxytocin, mm. the, the love and connection hormone, because the forest is alive. All of these natural spaces are alive. We've just kind of forgotten in our human centric yeah. ways that, uh, that everything on this planet is alive and we, we can open and connect mm. to that. So so yeah, start slow. No need to pack up everything and go on a 20-day trek in the forest. So <laughs> thank goodness. Yeah. And, you know, you're reminding me of like what we started talking about isolation and disconnection and how even though we are hyper-connected, we are more disconnected from self and other so much. And you're reminding us that nature is one of those inherent connections that we've forgotten about. And that is, that is alive in us. And, you know, if we eat food, if we eat real food, that is nature, that is coming from nature and the water is coming from nature. So we are already in connection with nature in different ways, even in the most urban spaces, but we're building that relationship so that, we can feel that relationship to ourselves and connection to ourselves. And I think that when we deep, you know, what I've seen in my own work is that the, when we sever our relationship to ourselves, or if we have any blockages to that, the relationship to other gets so much harder. Mm. And I can see that's why we're having so much disconnection in our world and so much otherness in our world. Mm. And that's perpetuating so much, <laughs> so much trauma, so much sadness and grief and frustration, I think, and exhaustion. Like, like, like the word you used before was like depletion. Right? Mm. It's just like so without. And just these simple practices can start to fill back our bucket up with that knowing and and remembering. So what else is nourishing you, Jenny, in this season of life? Yeah, I something you just said really resonated with me of like, you know, how you were just describing this isolation and this disconnect and, and what happens when we can feel that challenge of like being connected to ourselves and therefore others and like the blockages that come and you know, for me, I think a lot of that has to do with, with fear, right? Like it's, it doesn't feel safe. And so I just wanted to share, like, you know, circling back to that period of time after my accident. And I, and I still feel this as a, as a, as a tool and a practice of, of coming into nature as a space to just be, there's no performing, there's nothing like to do there's nothing to accomplish there and the um, freedom in that that to me that. is such freeing like oh you don't have to perform you don't have to put a mask on you don't have to fend anything off you don't have to defend yourself like that to me just speaks of like like that's like a like I can feel that as a relief in yeah. my body as you say that right because it's like you know it's it's a lot to be human right now. There's, there are so many things coming up and unraveling and, and it's increasingly, uh, you know, I think you're touching of this of just people feeling isolated and, and how that's trickling out and how we're treating each other. And, and so I think one of the benefits of, of coming back into nature and, and rebuilding, remembering that relationship is, and and why it still continues to be one of my 
just more, more reliable nourishment practices mm -hmm. is um, there's no wrong way to do it where it's like, you know, I've, I've noticed this with, with other, you know, if I'm learning different, like somatic practices or, you know, mindfulness practices, things that I know will support my, my emotional, mental, physical health, all of it. It's like, there's a little bit of like, oh yeah, like how do I do this? And like mm -hmm. kind of, oh, and you know, following the, the template or the guide of, of how to, to do the specific work. And then, you know, and then with the way that I've been taught is like, how can we shift from a practice shifting from, you know, feeling like work, mm -hmm. moving more into play and then finally evolving into beauty mm -hmm. and and what I love about forest bathing and being in nature is like, it's really easy or at least to mm -hmm. tap into play mm. and to not have this be another thing on our to-do list that we're supposed to be good at in order to take care of ourselves. Mm. Where it's like, I, I feel this. And I notice this with others sometimes too, where it's like, we know like, all right, we should be meditating for every, you know, 20 minutes every day. And like, sometimes we don't have time or sometimes, and it's like, and it's now it's on the to-do list. And we're like, oh, I'm feeling this like stress and pressure of like, I know what this will make me feel better, but like, do I really want to do it? And so what I love about, about this practice of forest bathing is like, you know what, some days, what it means is going out into my backyard for two minutes and noticing the bees that are flying around all of, you know, the dandelions and mm -hmm. saying hi to our pet rabbit and uh, feeling my earth on the feet or feeling my feet on the earth, mm -hmm. excuse me. And that's it. That was the practice for the day. It gets and to be it, easy. It gets to be easy. And there's, and knowing that again, there's just like, taking that, that expectation off is something that for me as a recovering perfectionist mm -hmm. <laughs> is actually really healing to, to know that no matter what, if I can get outside for a few minutes, ideally longer, mm -hmm. it helps me come back into myself and to Oh, okay. That deep breath of, you know, and I know what's happening of like, oh, my nervous system's coming into regulation. And so, you know, recently I took myself on a two day retreat to the coast. Mm. Uh, I just got really quiet and I spent most of my time outdoors and listening to the ocean and the sea lions and the wind. And that was it. Mm -hmm. And things start to get clear the more that I can get quiet and listen to what is alive outside of my own little bubble of worry or whatever is going on, it's like, oh, okay. I can, I can open up to maybe some new information that I might not have accessed if I was just staying in my own rumination cycle um, inside my four walls. Mm -hmm. Yeah. So. so the way to break the cycle, the everyday cycle of the unworthiness or not enoughness that I think a lot of us are running that hamster wheel so often. And what a permission to give yourself that there, there, there is no right or wrong of this. There just is. Yeah. Like There's literally no way to mess it up. Right. <laughs> Does it feel good? Yeah, that feels great. <laughs> that feels so good for my system. Like, yeah, I literally, I legitimately cannot do this wrong. There's so few things I think in this life that don't come without criticism or, or like our the fear of criticism or judgment of what we're doing. There's no right way to sit in the forest. Right. And we could just show up exactly how we are and we can 
cry and we can scream and we can laugh and we can be completely quiet mm-hmm. and it's all good. Mm-hmm. There's space for all of that. You know, I like to share with people where the, the field of forestry is, is learning so much in the last five, 10 years about the intelligence and the wisdom of the forest and the trees and how they're communicating with one another through the mycelian network and the root system mm-hmm. on the forest floor. And um, I can go on and on, but I won't. <laughs> the, the, the takeaway for me, at least, is that there is a wisdom and an intelligence in the forest, even if we don't completely understand it. Mm-hmm. We're starting to be able to measure it. Mm -hmm. Something as simple as seeing how in a forest, if one tree isn't getting enough light and nutrients, other trees will send nutrients through their roots and through the mycelium network to support the tree that needs more. So, you know, that theory of like survival of the fittest Mm -hmm. is not really applicable in the forest. Mm -hmm. In the forest, the, the, the ecosystem thrives if if one tree does well they all do well like they're not competing for resources when we get quiet enough to notice that even if we don't fully like cognitively intellectually understand it we don't need to but there's something about being in those spaces where uh where that type of wisdom prevails that like I don't know. It gives us permission to like step out of this culture of competition and scarcity comparison. And yeah, exactly. The scarcity that is just draining our life force. Right. Um, Absolutely. I like one of the things that I've personally been working on is abundance mm -hmm. and welcoming an abundance. And this idea that the trees aren't like, haha, I have got the best coverage and I get the best sun and I get the best water. They are actually saying no. Like we are the community and we support. We we share resources. There is enough for all of us. I think that that scarcity mindset has I, I know I've operated in it a lot, especially building a business and being a new business owner and being in this wild world um, of life in general (laughs) and needing to, you know, needing to have basic needs covered. And what that definition of abundance is, is that it's the world and trusting that you will be provided for. And in our competition society, I think it's, you know, it's like fend for yourself. Like you said, survival of the fittest has been this prevalent. I mean, and it's, and it's like, you know, and that does exist in nature too. Like, it's not to say like, but it's, it's interesting to see this other model of life because, and especially to see, to see it in the forest and these, these ecosystems that are like, you know, and also not only are they they working together and supporting each other, but they're constantly going through cycles of death and rebirth. Like just because it exists, just because survival of the fittest, yes, does happen. And you like, I will probably fail at something and, you know, someone will be the one that's standing and that's okay. Just because that exists doesn't mean that abundance doesn't exist. Right. Yeah, it's kind of like redefining what the abundance is and shifting it from, you know, that scarcity model of like, and feeling alone, you know, and, and it circles back to what we were talking about earlier of, of this prevalence of isolation that we're feeling of like, you know, and that we were all kind of like grinding in a way I mean you know I won't go too deep into just what it's like to be a person living in um certain parts of the country and the world and it's just it's expensive and inflation has been tough and so we're all kind of like okay how do we move through this and so it's again it's a remembering of like you know we look back to again 
human history, what all of our ancestors were doing around the globe, not even that long ago, we're not saying like millennia ago, we're like, you know, maybe within, in in some cases, decades of like working more as a, as a village, as a community Mm -hmm. of, um, this hyper individualism that has become so prevalent in our culture is just so draining. Mm -hmm. And Mm -hmm. I think it's a lie. I think it's a lie of, of it's not who we really are as humans. Um, I mean, I remember in our, in our personal neurobiology class of like learning about how, what was it? The magic number for humans to be around was having a tribe of like, what, like nine Mm -hmm. to 11 or something Mm -hmm. like that, that that's how we evolved, Mm -hmm. you know, was always being in these small, small groups, these small spaces of where, where people were, were helping each other, were, Mm -hmm. were looking over each other and supporting some you know, I know that we haven't been like in physical proximity to each other often, but, you know, it just does show you that like the tribe, you know, can span those distances and how nourishing it is just to know that when you have those really deep connections, they can, you know, it's like, I'm imagining like the tree that lives in like the forests, you know, a few forests away. It's like, yeah, I can still communicate and and come over and say like, yeah, let's let's use the network to nourish each other. So, mm. yeah, I'm so glad that you've been a part of my my tribe over these many years, and that you know your tribe is getting to experience all of this beautiful work. And I have three questions for you to end our time together. And are you ready? (laughs) (laughs) I think so. (laughs) All right. If you could sit down and have lunch with anyone, who would you invite? God, that's a good question. Who would I invite? You know, someone I really look up to is, um, I really look up to Michelle Obama. Mm. I've read, you know, I've read her, her last two recent books and, I feel like she's just been such a uh, incredible person to like to kind of weave together all the different facets of being human, you know. And she does it in this like she's this very, of course, public public figure. And but I really appreciate her, yeah, ability to to look inward and mm-hmm. and especially in her book, becoming of like how committed she is to this journey of, of growth within herself. And then like seeing it within the context of not only her just immediate community of of family and, and, and friends and things like that, but like how she's been able to impact the whole world through how she shows up in herself. And Mm -hmm. yeah, I think, I think it's just remarkable. And Mm -hmm. so I'd love to talk to her see how she keeps showing up (laughs) there's a way I could arrange lunch I would (laughs) get her on your invite list or her invite list for her next like you know lunch party or something (laughs) all right Jenny what's your favorite snack what is my favorite snack I love um this popcorn that is like has the it's called like cheesy popcorn, but it's just like has yeast and other things on it. Yum. And uh, I think, I think we're both like the salty. Mm-hmm. I remember that. Yeah, so, definitely. Yeah, There's this thing the called popcorn. pipcorn. If you haven't tried it, it's little, t- it's little, it's like baby popcorn. It's adorable. Um, you should try that one. It's really good and made with good oil too. So <laughs> yeah, check that out. Um, and last question for you. What is one ingredient that you hope people or anyone listening will add to their recipe to thrive? The one ingredient would be to to look out for the things that make you go wow Mm. every single day. Mm. I love that. Mm. Thank you so much for your wisdom, for sharing your presence and wow at this conversation and wow seeing you um 
you just are such a nourishing presence, I know, in my life. And I know um, your work has nourished so many others. So thank you so much for bringing that to our world and to sitting down at our virtual table with me. Yay. Thank you for inviting me. Loved. Yeah. Love this conversation. Yeah. Me Love too. You. More to come. <laughs> if this podcast has nourished you in some way, it would mean so much to me if you'd be willing to take 30 seconds to click and follow the pod so you never miss an episode. You can do so on the main show page on Apple Podcasts or Spotify. And while you're there, if you'd be willing to leave a review and share an episode with a friend, I would be so grateful. I appreciate you so very much. <laughs>